Welcome to King's Arms Online. It's great to be together today on Father's Day. Yeah. My name is Sue and I'm part of the team here and we are hosting this morning together with Josh. Well, I wonder what Father's Day looks like in your house. And uh, can I hear a whoop whoop from the kids if anyone's watching with their dads? And I've just been reflecting on what Father's Day means to me, really. And I was thinking about my dad. And I'm so thankful for the legacy that he's left in my life of generosity. Mm. He was someone who just um, saw a problem and found a solution. Yeah. And he was generous with his time. As an adult, he's been really generous in finance to support me in starting business and wow. explore different things. And it's just, just really today is a great day, isn't it, to be able to remember the things that we're thankful for and take a moment to celebrate. And yeah. Josh, you're a dad. You've been a dad for about seven years now. Yes, I have. What does um, it mean for you to be a dad? I mean, for me, it's, it's always a day, Father's Day in particular, to just remember when, for me, everything changed. Um, before I became a father, I had very, very different priorities. But the day my son was born, I literally just felt like everything changed. Yeah. Um, all my priorities changed. And my love for my children um, now, honestly, is, is up there with my love for anything else. Music, it's more than music. But um, it just, it's just an opportunity, Father's Day, for me to remember that uh, it's not just about me. And um, I have these two wonderful children in my life who um, I get to honour back and yeah. uh, God's gifted me to look after. So, yeah. Well, hopefully they're celebrating yeah. you today. And, <laughs> and I've loved over the last year actually being on Zoom meetings yeah. and one of the kids popping into the screen and <laughs> yeah. just seeing the way you are, just so brilliant with them and just calling greatness out of them from such a young age. And okay. I kind of just want to say at this point, Father's Day isn't always easy for people. Yeah, Some definitely. people have great experiences, other people... Um, you've experienced loss or just a real sense of lack and whatever journey you've had and wherever you're at we just pray that you'd know father god's love with you yeah. today in the midst of that yeah definitely well now uh we're gonna be blessed with a short video from the legend herself professor jess um, who's gonna be doing uh some dad jokes so tune in try not to laugh but i'm sure you won't be able to enjoy <laughs> Jess and this morning we are going to be doing the try not to laugh challenge dad joke edition <laughs> oh come on guys <laughs> okay great okay so we have got Finn here Finn say hello to everybody hello to everybody and we have got Freya say hello to everybody hello everybody <laughs> wonderful and you two are going to be trying to make each other laugh using your best dad jokes are they actually from your dad um, no. Some of them. Some of them. Okay, well, I'm sure the funniest ones are All from your dad, right? All the ones that I'm saying aren't from my dad. Okay. <laughs> so, who's going to start? <laughs> that works so That well. works really well. I'm going to pick... You're starting, Finn. Okay. So, Freya, serious face. Poker face. Deep breaths. Finn, first joke, please. Why did Jackie lay his bed? I don't know. Because he needed some cough in there just <laughs> Okay. Tense music. How does the Jewish person make tea? I don't know. He brews it. Oh, <laughs> very good, Finn. Very good. Just okay, that is one to Finn, everyone. Finn, your turn. Um, what did the plate say to the cup? I don't know. Finn is on me. Nice joke. <laughs> she didn't laugh, people. She didn't laugh. Okay, Freya. 
Um, why did the boy throw his watch out the window? Because he wanted to watch time fly. Just like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that's, you laughed. You laughed, laughed. That's a laugh. Okay, we're all one all people. Okay, Finn, over to you. The person who invented the knock knock jokes is a Nobel Prize. Laugh. Oh, the Nobel Prize! <laughs> Go up. It's funny. It's... Wow, you guys. Your slow mouth is literally straight. You guys are to laugh. Oh, yeah. What do you call magicians talk? I don't know. Hello, Rockadabra door. Laugh, please. <laughs> Laugh. Guys, is this one or? Wait, what are we at? One or. One or. Okay, tiebreaker. Shall I do a joke? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the first one the love loses. Ask my dad. Yeah. Do, you have, do we have any jokes over there? Okay. Oh, this, is, this is fantastic. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Okay. This is very me. Okay, guys. Hi. Okay. You know. Mm -hmm. Somebody actually complimented me on my driving today. Mm -hmm. Did you know that? Yeah. yeah. They left a little note on my windscreen. Said, parking, fine. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love that one. Because I can't drive. It's great. Well, I can. It's terrible. Thank you for your laughing, for your jokes. And Freya won. Freya. Incredible stuff, incredible stuff. You guys are way better at staying serious than I am. I'm very <laughs> impressed, very impressed. All right, that is all from us. That was a great challenge. Maybe we'll do it again next year. Who knows? <laughs> all right, bye, everybody. Bye. bye. Well, I wonder if you made it through that without a little giggle. I, I certainly know. didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love dad jokes. They're just brilliant, aren't they? Yeah. Well, wherever you are, let's just take a moment to celebrate um, the fathers, the spiritual fathers, those that have stepped in into father roles mm. in our community. And if you're in a room watching as a family, why don't you take this moment just to pray for, for your dad with you? And uh, yeah, so let's pray. Yeah, Father God, I want to thank you for the model that you have been to us of what it means to be a father. We, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your never-ending, unchanging, faithful love towards us that isn't dependent on what we do, but it's just an overflow of the goodness of who you are. And we take this moment today to celebrate the fathers in our community. We, we thank you, God, for them. We thank you for the men of stature that they are. We thank you for the courage that they lead with. We thank you for the sacrifices that they make for those that they are caring for and are leading with. And God, we just pray that today would be a day of blessing, that they would just hear encouragement from family and from heaven. And uh, God, we just celebrate this family moment together. Amen. 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 Well, that leads us right into uh, a wonderful moment where we get to share together in a time of worship, which will be led by our wonderfully talented King's Arms worship team. So whatever posture you find yourself in, just tune in um, to the Holy Spirit and get in a position ready to just receive, but be involved in worship.
Sing, oh, hail, oh, hail the Lord, oh, hail the King. Oh, oh, hail the Lord, oh, hail the King. We enthrone you, King Jesus, and say,
Yes, Lord. Thank you that you never let us down, Lord, that you're always there providing, covering, keeping us, Lord. Thank you for just a beautiful moment even just to gather and to worship your name. We're just so grateful for the things that even we take for granted, for breath, for life, for community. We're just so grateful for you, Lord. Even on a day like this, Abba Father, we are just so, we are just so in love with you. And we just thank you for always being there, always being present. We love you. Yeah. We worship you. We lift up your name. Yeah, I'm reminded of that scripture that says, mm. perfect love casts out all fear. And just that beautiful picture of who the Father is, mm. that when we know his love in fullness, that all fear goes. And yeah. just have a sense this morning that wherever you are, that he, in his love, we just want to see fear just ooze away, as mm. it were. And so why don't you just lift your hands where you are, if that resonates with you. I'm just going to pray for us as a community. Mm. Father, thank you that's a promise in your word, that your love cast out all fear and I pray right now this morning would there just be an impartation a fresh impartation of your yeah. love that fills us to overflowing that any senses of fear fear of the future fear of the unknown fear of provision fear of safety fear over health yeah. whatever that ever looks like that, that would just be washed away as your love mm -hmm. just invades our hearts and lives afresh yeah. It's a promise that's in your word, God. We, we hold to account what you've said you will do. You've said that your love will cast out fear. Mm -hmm. And so, what, Father, we ask for that this morning. Wherever we are and whatever space we're at as we're connecting together, thank you that you're right there with us. And Holy Spirit, I just say, God, would you come? Come and cast out fear. Just fill us afresh with your love. Thank you that you've got everything that we need for the season ahead. Mm. We thank you that you are a good, good Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Yeah. Oh, well, it's good to be together, isn't it? It is. <laughs> well, this is the point in our meeting where we um, take up the offering. Obviously, we can't take up the offering. You'd think 18 <laughs> months into this, I'd have figured out how we do this. But for many of us, we're now giving online. And so you can do that by heading over to kingsarms.org forward slash donate. And honestly, it has just blown me away to see the generosity of our community just yeah. so faithfully sowing into all that God is doing in and through us as a mm -hmm. church. And I'm loving hearing stories through whether it be retrack and people in the community getting job advice and support yeah. through that ministry, whether it be our young people um, beginning to re-engage in the park and connect and yeah. share stories of who God is. It's just brilliant. And so just thank you so much for sowing so generously into the work of God at this time. Well, it's my joy to be able to hand over to Phil Wilthew this morning, who is going to be starting a new preaching series. So why don't we settle in and listen to what God wants to speak to us through Phil. Hello, it's great to be together today where we're going to be turning to Mark's Gospel in a new teaching series today called Broken, Lost and Found. And we're going to be looking over the next few weeks and months at incredible stories about how Jesus brings us home to God the Father. He reaches into our brokenness, into our lostness, and he brings us home into his family. And we're going to be looking at some 
beautiful stories of how God does that through his son Jesus in Mark's gospel. So we're going to turn to Mark chapter 1 in just a few moments. But before we get there, I want to say a massive happy Father's Day to all the dads, the spiritual dads, the grandfathers out there today in the UK where we celebrate Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. And, you know, being a dad has been one of the most immense privileges of my life. And in fact, just uh, last week, I moved my last child out of home. Uh, Lauren has moved in with some uh, with a friend in town, and it kind of marked a change of season of our own parenting. And uh, I, of course, cried like a baby when she left, and we had an emotional time, and not of sorrow, but of joy, actually, of joy in seeing someone who's grown to be uh, an, an adult and loving God and serving him. And being a dad has been an absolute immense privilege. I just remember coming out of the hospital when we had our first child, Lauren, uh, kind of carrying her out in a car seat thinking, I am now responsible for this human being. And I was 23 years old, completely clueless really about parenting. I'm like, do I not need to pass an exam to be able to take this child home? Um, you know, and I'm immensely grateful to God that despite all my uh, weaknesses and failings and shortcomings through the year that I've got two children that I am immensely proud of. And parenting is a privilege. And of course, as we turn to Mark's gospel, we see the story of Jesus as someone who knew what it was to be fathered. In fact, Jesus says in John's gospel, he says, I only do what I see my father in heaven doing. One of the primary revelations of God in the New Testament is that he is our heavenly father. And Jesus lived his life on earth, understanding what it was to be fathered by God. And we see this reflected right throughout his ministry. In fact, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Hebrews 1 says that Jesus is the radiance of the Father's glory, the exact representation of his being. And so to understand what our heavenly Father is like, we look at the life of Jesus, who not only obeyed the Father in his own life, but also reflects to us what God, the perfect Father, really looks like. And so today, as we turn to Mark chapter 1, we're going to see three truths about the father that Jesus reveals at his own baptism in the River Jordan. And so we're going to consider these three truths on Father's Day today in our new series in Mark's Gospel. So if you'd like to turn to Mark chapter 1, we're going to dive into verse 9 and let's read together. It says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As soon as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens breaking open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. Beautiful little story here of Jesus' own baptism. And I want to show us three truths that we see about our heavenly father through this baptism encounter of Jesus and the first truth is this is that our heavenly father is a father to the unseen he's a father to the unseen 
it's almost a throwaway line in Mark's gospel and Mark is known for his suddenlies. His account is the briefest and the quickest account of all the gospel writers. Often Mark uses words like suddenly in his accounts and it's a very fast moving story. And so here it's just a throwaway line. He says, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee to be baptized by John. Now, uh, Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, is causing an absolute storm at this time in Israel. He is baptizing the River Jordan. He's this kind of slightly crazy Old Testament prophet guy who eats locusts and honey for breakfast. He wears a camel hair coat. He's somewhat eccentric, but he is preaching this message of repentance and whole towns and villages are emptying to go and hear John's message, but also be baptized by John in the Jordan. And something happens in this moment to John the Baptist that he perhaps didn't expect was that he sees his own cousin, Jesus, stepping out of what were really 30 years of obscurity living in Nazareth to be baptized by him in the Jordan. Jesus was a carpenter. He made tables and chairs for a living. If he had a white van in those days, he probably would have driven one. He was a kind of working man's man doing a a laborer's job. And it was in this very obscure village called Nazareth. Now, these days to us, that may not mean very much, but if you could just jump in your time machine with me for a moment, let's just go back and try and understand Nazareth in its context in which Mark was writing these words. And Nazareth was an extremely tiny village in the northern backwater province called Galilee. In fact, Nazareth was so insignificant, it didn't even make it onto the list of the official lists that we have of the time of the towns in Galilee. So in the Hebrew Talmud, it lists 63 villages in Galilee And Nazareth does not even make the list of 63 villages. It was so insignificant and small. Likewise, the the first century historian, Josephus, when he listed his 45 towns and villages in Galilee, again, Nazareth does not even make the historian Josephus list. It was so small and so insignificant. Um, What we know from archaeology is that Nazareth, at the time that Jesus grew up there, was a town or a village of probably no more than between 100 and 400 people. In fact, many historians say it was probably much smaller. So think Jesus is growing up in an environment of maybe 100 people. That's what Nazareth was like. It was 100 people. Tiny, obscure village, so obscure it didn't even make any of the official lists of his day. And that was in contrast to some of the other bigger towns in Galilee at the time. So Sepphoris was one of the biggest towns in Galilee. It was about 30,000 strong population and Sepphoris was like a modern day Milton Keynes. Like it was it was a kind of affluent place that you would go shopping. It was a prosperous place. There were lots of opportunities. Um, Everyone from Nazareth uh, would have walked an hour to sell their goods in Sepphoris because that's where all the trade and the commerce and the affluence really was. Whereas Nazareth was a a small town of farmers and shepherds and carpenters. Very, very kind of blue collar, downbeat kind of place to live in. And so you get this 
uh, incredible truth that Jesus came from Nazareth to be baptized by John. And we get this little snapshot as to what people thought of Nazareth at the time of Jesus. You can read about it in John chapter 1 verse 45 where Philip, one of the disciples, goes and finds his mate Nathaniel and says, Nathaniel, we have found Jesus. He's the Messiah and he comes from Nazareth. To which Nathaniel replies, the Messiah from Nazareth. And then he utters the immortal line, can anything good come from Nazareth? Now, people have sometimes said the same about Bedford. It's rude, I know. But can anything good come from Bedford? This story should give us all hope. Can anything good come from Nazareth? It was so looked down upon that it was scorned by people of Jesus' day. And yet here's the truth. It was in Nazareth that Jesus came to know the Father. It was in Nazareth, in a place of obscurity, in a place of weakness, in a place that was looked down upon, in a town that was forgotten even by the historians of the day, in a town of no opportunity, in a town that had no social status. It was in Nazareth that Jesus came to know his heavenly father for 30 years before he then steps out of that town and gets baptised by his cousin Jesus. And this gives us a window on what our heavenly father is like, that he is a father to the unseen. He's a father to the weak. He's a father to the foolish. He's a father to the forgotten. He's a father to the ones who've been left on the shelf by everybody else. He's a father who makes a beeline for those that have no qualifications of their own. He is a God who rushes to those. And I, for one, am extremely grateful for that. 1 Corinthians 1 says this, 1 verse 27, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Things that are not to reduce to nothing things that are. See, our God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He overlooks Sepphoris, but he picks Nazareth. This is amazing. It's an amazing truth about our father. He's a father to the unseen. And Nazareth, many writers say that Nazareth probably was given its name out of a prophetic Old Testament promise. The word uh, Nazareth comes from the root word Hebrew netzer, which means branch or shoot. And uh, often what happens when a tree is chopped down from the stump of the tree, a new shoot will grow up from the, the stump of a cut down tree. And there's this beautiful prophetic promise in the Old Testament that promises that one day from the, the stump of Israel, from the de- destruction of Israel, a stump, a shoot will rise up, a new branch will start to grow. And 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 the, the prophetic word is that 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 shoot will be the Messiah, a saviour who will come and save and redeem Israel. Hebrews 11 verse 1 puts it like this, a shoot shall come up from the stump of Jesse, who is King David's father, and a branch, that literally word is Netzer, from which Nazareth gets his name, shall grow out of his roots, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. 
Many people think that Nazareth was given its name from this word Netzer, this promise that one day out of destruction, a shoot will grow up and the spirit of the Lord will be on that shoot. Little did the founders of Nazareth know that one day that very Messiah would be raised in their very own town, their backward, nowhere, northern town. God would choose that town to raise the saviour of the world. In that town, he would raise a son who would literally transform the whole cosmos. This is what we understand. God is a father to the unseen, to the humble, to the weak, to the lowly. And so today, if you're listening to this and you're like, that is exactly how I feel. I feel unqualified. I feel weak. I feel forgotten. Well, I've got good news for you. Your heavenly father is a father to the weak and to the unseen. Jesus came from Nazareth. The second truth about the father from this passage is that God is a father worth living for. God is a father worth living for. In fact, giving everything for. And here we read that Jesus came and was baptized by John the Baptist. And we know from the other Gospels that John was extremely reluctant to baptize his cousin Jesus. Why? Because he knew that Jesus was the Messiah. And John's baptism was for three things. Number one, it was to repent. Number two, it was to confess sin. And number three, it was to flee the coming wrath. That, that was John's message. Repent, confess your sin, and flee the coming wrath of God. And so people were coming from the towns and villages to be baptized by John for those three things. And so Jesus rocks up and says, John, I'd like you to baptize me. And John is understandably reluctant because Jesus did not need to repent of sin. He did not need to confess any sin. And he didn't need to, to flee the Father's wrath because he was perfect. He was God incarnate. And so John is reluctant to baptise Jesus, but nevertheless, Jesus gets baptised. The question is, why? And what does this show us about the Father? Well, let's just think for a moment about John's message. John's message essentially was one of repentance, which means to change one's thinking. And repentance is a message not only of turning away from something, but also turning towards someone else. We're turning from something, but also we are turning towards someone else. Repentance is not just leaving sin, it's actually cleaving to another. It's dedicating ourselves to something else. And so Jesus' baptism, I would suggest you, demonstrates not that he needed to turn away from any kind of sin because he was perfect, but rather his baptism shows, I am living my life dedicated to serve and obey the Father. Jesus' baptism was a baptism of obedience, of devotion, of dedication. He was saying, I am living my life for the Father and nothing else. It's him or nothing. And Jonathan Pennington, one theologian, says this. Even as a virgin born, divine incarnate, unique person in the world, the son, Jesus, desires to be wholeheartedly obedient to the father. Thus, he must submit to the God-ordained message of life dedication preached by John. So why did Jesus need to be baptised? Because central to Jesus' purpose in being the saviour of the world is his own faithful obedience to the Father. 
Jesus is showing us that the only fruitful, meaningful way of living in his is in absolute dedication to the Father. He is the only one worth living for, and he is worthy leaving everything else to devote your life towards. Jesus' baptism shows us he's a Father worth giving everything for. Friends, I just wanna call you and myself in this season to just throw all our eggs in one basket, and again, dedicate our lives to a Father who loves us and is worth living and dying for. Jesus' baptism shows us this about the Father. This is the only true way for sons and daughters to live dedicated to God. And then the third truth that we see in this passage about the Father is that he is a Father who showers affirmation. And we see this in this amazing Trinitarian moment. It says in verse 10, as soon as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens breaking open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son and in you I am well pleased. This is a, a moment of breathtaking Trinitarian revelation. There are few passages like this one where we see Father, Son and Holy Spirit. One God in three persons in just a few short verses. The Son is baptised. He hears the voice of the Father in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And this is a beautiful and powerful moment of intimacy between the members of the Godhead. And Jesus in this moment his three essential things that will sustain him throughout his whole ministry. Three vital things. I am loved, I am a son, and God is well pleased with me. Those are three things that sustain Jesus in his ministry for the next three years. I am loved, I am a son, and my father is well pleased with me. Uh, friends, I, I wonder if you've heard those three things from your heavenly father in your heart that you are loved that you're his child and that he's well pleased with you and you know the first one of those i am loved deals with what he is jesus understands my life is now defined by the fact that i am loved i am loved by god i'm not rejected i'm not unaccepted i'm not on the outside i'm loved by my father it defines who he is the second deals with his identity that I am a son that is fundamentally who I am therefore I carry the authority of the father I, I belong to him and when I minister I minister out of the overflow of the authority of the father in whose shadow I live my identity is that I'm a son and then the third deals with where he is. It deals with his position, his standing in God, that I am living in this space of being a pleasure to the Father. He delights in me. I bring him delight. Deals with who he is, what he is, and where he is. And these three things would sustain Jesus in the rest of his miracle. Before Jesus had done any kind of miracle, before he performed any healings, preached any messages, he hears a life-sustaining truth from his Father in heaven. You're my boy. I love you and I'm well pleased with you. 
Friends, I tell you, this is an absolute game changer to have an encounter with a father who showers us with affirmation. And I don't know what your kind of background, maybe you're not yet a Christian and your view of the father is that he's somehow kind of a, a fist waving, angry deity that just wants you to toe the line and to stop it. Maybe that's your view of the father. Or, or maybe you're, you've been grown up in a religious household where you've been told that the, the father is about duty rather than delight. It's about the, the A's and the B's, the rules and the regulations, rather than living out of an overflow of delight. Well, wherever you are, I've got good news for us. You have a father who loves you, who calls you into sonship or daughterhood, and wants to tell you he is well pleased with you. You know, I remember when I first saw my daughter when she was born, all those years ago, I just instantly loved her the moment that I saw her. She'd not contributed anything. She'd not yet done anything that would deserve praise or admiration. She was just born into our family and I loved her instantaneously. And I tell you, that is how your father views you and I. He loves us because he made us. We were born into his family through our faith in Christ and he loves us. So here are three truths about the father. He's a father to the unseen. He's a father worth giving everything for. And he's a father who showers affirmation on us. And as we go through Mark's gospel together over the coming weeks, we're going to see many, many vignettes and pictures of what the father looks like through the son, Jesus. And so today I just bless you with these truths. Think about these things. Change the way that you think. Maybe like Jesus, it's a moment to freshly dedicate yourself to live for this Father who is worth giving our whole selves to. So God bless you today. Amen. Thank you so much for that, Phil. Absolutely wonderful word. Um, just so timely and just such a great reminder um, of the fact that he is most definitely our Father. Um, and in this season, don't we need to know that so much more? Yeah. Um, for anyone who's been moved by this word or anyone who doesn't know maybe that, that the Lord is our Father or who's experienced any uh, pull to want to know more about what it is to be a child of such a loving Father, then uh, if you're watching live right now, uh, just click the button for prayer or engage with the team one of the team would love to connect with you to pray with you um, and if you're watching on demand then connect with us via our website but really just press into to, to the word that's just gone and, and what god's trying to say to us in this time um yeah great and if you want any prayer for any other reason, um, whether it be physical challenges you're facing or yeah. just a difficult situation that you're in, the team are available. We'd love to pray for you. So simply just click on that live prayer button and there's a team who would just love to connect and pray. Just God's blessing over your life. Yeah. Well, it's been brilliant to be together. It has been. We hope you have an amazing Father's Day, whatever you're doing, whatever that looks like. And uh, hopefully enjoy some sunshine. <laughs> Ever the optimist. Yeah. But um, yeah, take care. Bye. Bye.